Welcome to Real Money Talks. Real strategies from the money makers and the world changers that you can use to make millions, keep those millions, multiply your wealth, and build your team. Here's your host, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View, Laurel Langmire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Laurel Langmire's weekly market awareness update. Very happy to have you all here and happy to have a number of special guests joining us today on a very special conversation topic. As always, we're live here on Zoom. So if you want to ask us a question, use the Q&A box or the chat box. The team here will be responding to those as many as possible. I would love to see where everyone's coming on from today. So let us know where you're visiting us from, where you're taking place in the conversation as we get started. Before we go live here, Laurel, how are we doing today, ma'am? Good. I'm just putting a little question here. Where are you watching from today? Let us know. Uh, I know where Slidell, Louisiana is. Been there many times. Uh, Maui. Look at you, Alex Cresso. You're on a layover. I know what you're doing. Um, what do you call him? Magoo? Is that his name, Kyle? Magoo? Yeah. He's Magoo, yes. <laughs> Kansas City, Philadelphia. I'm actually in Reno. I'm in Scott Arden's office. Logan, Utah. Love that. Awesome. Now, I would like to um, just remind you, if you do not have a couple of the infrastructure things you're going to say you're a broken record, Laurel. And I feel like a broken record at the end of the year because we tell you over and over and over and over and over and over. And then sometimes you still don't get stuff done. But then you have this out of a line conversation. You say you want to make money, you want to be a millionaire, and then your behavior is not lining up. So this is us constantly, you know, giving you a checklist and moving you forward. We are at November 17th, folks. Like the finish line, meaning the end of the year is around the corner. When we started this broadcast, as you all know, it was in March. It was with our uh, lovely announcement of COVID and go home. And uh, here we are still and uh, all sorts of states are in lockdown. Some are coming back up. Regardless of what's going on, this is about you and your family and you being an entrepreneur, you making the kind of money and doing the journey that we are coaching you to do. So uh, it is towards the end of the year. Make sure you do the things that you have on your checklist. Make sure you get with Eileen, who's out here. Make sure you get Kyle in my book and you're starting to read that. Make sure you get your corporate structure done with Scott. I know he's been busy as heck. So I know a lot of you are taking that action. Um, we'll be talking more. I'm Jason Henderson's out there. Uh, we got to get life insurance done by the end of year. Trust done. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that's already been in recordings and checklists. So make sure you get that done and we'll continue to broadcast around what we call our market awareness and uh, continue to educate. But, you know, we're at a point now with all of this being our, you know, what we're doing. I hate the word new normal, but it, this is what we're doing. So we took uh, with our team and we created a series now, as uh, you've been watching on our broadcast, it's called Money Life of Laurel. And a whole bunch of questions of we've uh, gone through the Ask Laurels and said, what are people really worrying about, talking about? What do we need to provide some insight about? And one of the big ones, as you saw throughout this week, was how do you have a non-supportive family, partner, spouse that just doesn't want to get with it in this money conversation. And as you've heard from Randy, who uh, was a huge non-supporter in the beginning. In fact, Kyle down there was pretty rough to get in. I mean, Alex knows that that's out there. Um, he just very had his process. And that's not really about, you know, necessarily, you know, family, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go family and friends because those of you, you know, my story I grew up in a farm in Nebraska, no conversation with money. So actually put in the chat. What was your conversation with money? 
I would bet less than 10% if you had a proper conversation with money in your household. It usually is just no, no conversation and no one talks about it. And then the other side of it is usually one spouse or partner is stronger or wants this different life or a bigger life and becoming a millionaire and the other doesn't. And then there's the, you know, what I call the in-laws and outlaws and all those people around you that they're going to come along or not come along. So I think we're going to start. Uh, you all know uh, Eileen. She's been a big part of our team for a while. She'll help you clean up your credit, clean up your corporate credit. She's got some new uh, processes she's heading into 2021, helping you with some cash flow, which then helps your credit. So uh, Eileen is with us today and Kyle, my partner in our Make Your Kids Millionaire book. And uh, we're going to talk about families, significant others, and how do you help get them on board for this money conversation? Because you're all interacting with money all day long. In fact, uh, Eileen and Kyle, one of the new homeworks I've been giving people is to document how many times in a day they are interacting with something around money. So for example, on my way over, I got some of these little waters, all right? That's a money like transaction, right? I got some money. Uh, that was a money transaction. Now, Scott's nice enough to give me some coffee, so I didn't have to buy that today. But if you track how many things you interact with, buy, sell, like Cal, you're in the market, my gosh, how many times you're trading? I mean, how many times? I bet it's dozens and most people are unconscious. So that's one of my new, new ones um, that I've been giving people. Let's look in the chat really quick. Entrepreneurial family, family business conversation. Um, some people say no conversations. Dad just paid the bills and mom had no clue. No conversations. All right. So Eileen, why don't you start with your story a little bit? Kyle, we'll start with yours. And then we're just going to have a conversation about it and give you some uh, tips and ideas and structures that we have all put in place. Very different family structures, all three of us, and how to help you move forward. So welcome. So hello, everyone. So so my story is very, very short. We grew up in a household of six children. I was the youngest. And I didn't know that money was a problem, except for every time I wanted something. Well, we can't afford it. You always heard that phrase. We can't afford it. But I didn't want for anything. I had food. I had clothing. I had fun. We were, you know, it was a big family. We enjoyed it. We had Christmases. We did everything. It wasn't until later in life, I struggled with money a lot and didn't realize that the reason I was struggling is because I was never taught anything about it. I had good jobs. I made the money I spent, whether I was married or single, I spent. So for me, coming into the conversation with a spouse and having them try to understand what I'm thinking and how I want to see things happen with the finances, it can be difficult sometimes <laughs> and you need to get on the same page. So um, I'll just use the example of and John is actually on this call. So I was he going to say, he's out here. Be careful. Be he knows careful. I'm going to have this conversation. <laughs> Love him dearly. He knows that. So when, when I first started on this entrepreneurial journey, um, John came into my life in 2005. In 2012 is when we started our business. And really, it was my business because I was doing everything. I was trying to get it off the ground. I was buying program after program. You know, we must have spent as a partnership over $200,000 in just trying to figure this stuff out. Yep. And the struggle there was the money conversation that we were having was, I'm a dreamer. I believe you spend to make. It's a cost of doing business. John, his mindset was a W-2. He had a full-time job. He was paying the bills. He was taking care of all of that. So he's obviously concentrating on where the money is going I'm concentrating on where the money is going to come from. 
So it, and I got to tell you, it wasn't until Laura, we came into this community that we both got on board. We're now having the right money conversations, but the struggle for some couples out there that aren't at that point yet, it can be very frustrating and draining on you. And it shouldn't be a conversation that has to happen. You're here. You need to learn about money. The conversations John and I are having now about money are so different than when I first met him. Because I was a spender. I had good jobs. I made good money, but I spent everything. I wasn't getting married. Ha ha ha. I wasn't having children. And I didn't think I had to leave it to anybody. I didn't know the right conversations to have until I became a part of this community. So the biggest thing for John and I now is we have a money date night every week. We're actually creating a program for that. Laurel, you and I will talk about that. But we now have that positive conversation about blessing the money that's come in and seeing where it's going to go. What we're, we're investing in things now that I never in a million years thought I'd be in cannabis. <laughs> the black never. hole. Or the black hole. Yep. Yep. John, listen up. John. <laughs> so it's the biggest thing that I can ask people to do is sit down and have a positive, loving conversation with your partner, whoever that is, whether it's the guy or the girl have that conversation and really be on the same page because when you get on the same page, miracles happen. Miracles happen. And then obviously being in the right community doesn't hurt. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to come back and uh, dig in a little deeper because a lot of uh, what instigated that uh, Justin Bennett just joined us. And I know he was a, a big inspiration to John and uh, getting on the same page, but we'll come back to digging in in a minute. I want to bring everybody on the call. So Kyle, you and Tracy, again, very different situation. You, I think, got married younger. Uh, You had a huge military career. Talk about how you just made it part of your culture and your family. Yeah. So it was interesting that Eileen talked about kind of communication. And to me, that's really what it's all about as well. And it almost sounds like I'm a marriage counselor here, but I'm definitely not one of those But understanding the money psychology of your spouse is really important. You know, we talk about that in our in our book about getting into the the depth of that money psychology. So understanding the money psychology of your spouse, understanding are they a spender, you know, are they a saver? If you can just understand where they're coming from, it can avoid a lot of conflict there by understanding that's how they were brought up. Uh, and, you know, their risk tolerance, um, how how quickly they're they're willing to make decisions, their decisiveness. So are they someone that needs to, you know, like me, have all the facts in front of them and analyze all those facts before they can make a decision? Or are they someone like Laurel who just moves more via emotion and uh, and just says, let's do it. Let's do it. Yes, let's go. So um, there's a lot of different money psychologies out there. And so getting to the depth of that money psychology is is kind of the first step. And that just comes through communication and, and understanding. And then once you get there, I think it's important to build a foundation of, of similar um, academic knowledge, if you will, uh, of similar understanding of the basic concepts of money. And so that's where, you know, a book like our book, where we have the, the whole first part of it, where we talk about that, or Laurel, lots of your books, you go in depth into the way that uh, we want to build the foundation for thinking about money, um, not just the psychology, but the actions. And so I think that that's really important is establishing those so that you're both on the same page and try to get your spouse to read some of those books. You know, if they don't, then they're not really on the same page. They don't have that same foundation that you have. And so it's you're constantly going to be battling with trying to get them to understand exactly where it is they're coming from. So I think 
getting that that basic common foundation is really important. That along with the communication. Yep. And I just put in the chat, uh, makeyourkidsmillionaires.com. You can pre-order our book. Mm-hmm. And um, one other thing, though, Kyle, I wanted to bring in, because we're going to talk uh, in a broader conversation about all of it, what you and Tracy you know, did early with your kids. It is a culture in your family. I mean, with my kids, it, it is a culture in, in with Logan and Tristan and I. But it isn't with Jason and I. It's just different. So I'll talk about that in a bit. But I think my goal for those of you that are watching and listening is that you understand that there are such ranges of different, Justin, I, you know, I'm going to include you in this conversation too. So you can think about what we're talking about. And there's so many different ways. I mean, 62% of kids going to school in blended families. And I can tell you that is a tangle for a lot of kids because one of the spouses are doing it one way, other one's doing the other way. Poor kid's schizophrenic, doesn't know where to lean and is a lot of times put in the middle of that lean. So let's just kind of put it all out on the table and talk about the differences. And at the end of the day, end of our broadcast, with everything we do, it's your plan. That's how Kyle and I ended the book. I mean, how he did his millionaire kids and how I did mine are very different, right? He wants to do a chapter on fruit gill for being fruit gill. I wouldn't even know what that word is. I can't really say it. I got that like look it up in dictionary. <laughs> I, I am I am the like just make shit up, <laughs> go make a bunch more money and then buy what you want. I'm a little, you know, buy like buy what you want with uh, Eileen. And here's the end of it. It's none of all of us are right. We're doing it. The difference that I want you to hear is we're in a conscious choice about the conversation and the way that we're doing it. And a lot of you haven't made those conscious choices or decisions. So it's just kind of wandering around out there, which is causing confusion. So talk about your culture of the family, Kyle, because I think what you and Tracy have done is just brilliant for you and your kids. Yeah. Well, you talked about what we're doing different. But how about what we're doing the same? And that is bringing that culture into our, our kids' lives from a very early age. And, and that was one of the things, one of the reasons, you know, I haven't been with you as long as some of the people in the community. Um, that was one of the reasons why I gravitated to your teaching and your books is because of the common and the shared theme of teaching your kids about money at a, at a really early age and just incorporating that into their everyday life. And, you know, of course, in, in the book, we have several different stories like that. All of you have stories about how you've talked about um, money with your kids. But the more that you can do that, the more that you can make it, like you said, a culture. I liken it to kind of the health thing, right? So you can go on a diet, but you're never going to consistently be able to keep the weight off if you don't change your entire culture about living a healthy life. And, you know, and that includes all the different aspects of, of being healthy, eating healthy, exercising, doing all the different things that are necessary to, for you to be healthy. The same thing is the, the way about money. So you have to incorporate it into your everyday life. You need to be teaching your kids when you're doing something. For example, say you're paying bills, say you're doing an investment, incorporate your kids into that, you know, explain to them. You know, I would have times where I would say, hey, you know, one of the examples is I was looking at some different investments that were uh, video game makers. All right. Some different stocks. And I actually talked to my kids and I said, hey, I'm, I'm considering buying this stock. Oh, what's a stock? Well, let me tell you what it is. Right. It's its ownership of a company. So I own a tiny little sliver of this company and I I want your opinion on this video game and and some of their the array of the library of video games that they have and what you think. And so they were able to tell me about that. You know, and one of these, it was, um, hey, dad, uh, Skylanders aren't cool anymore. And I don't know if any of you out there remember those, but they were really popular maybe 10 years ago. And then uh, Call of Duty. Um, actually made by the exact same company, Activision Blizzard, one of the stocks that I've invested in. And he said that no one's playing Call of Duty anymore, Dad. They're all playing Fortnite. Yeah. So 
armed with that knowledge, you know, we had we were able to have a conversation. So not only did it influence my uh, kind of unloading some of my shares of Activision Blizzard back then, but it also allowed sort of a a jumping off point for us to have that conversation. So we went into great depth about, hey, what does it mean to have a company and what does a company do? Well, it makes money. You know, let's talk about their earnings. Let's talk about their sales. And so you can bring in all these different terms that they aren't otherwise introduced to. They don't talk about uh, revenue and costs and expenses and things like that in their in their school. So every little moment that you can take to bring these types of conversation into your household and into your culture are just pivotal. Yeah. And Justin Bennett. So Justin joined our community years ago, I think about three years ago. And uh, it actually came from an interesting story. Justin, I'll let you uh, tell it quickly to those of you who haven't heard it. But it was, uh, I'd say, a lack of planning from someone else. And uh, he was a recipient of someone else's lack of family planning, had to buy his life back from the state of Kansas and Missouri. And uh, are you with us uh, just auditory. Oh, there you I, are. I am with us today. I am with I us. I like that. And look, at you have that be- beautiful game I left with you in Kansas behind yeah. you. Did you just set yeah. that up really quick before you jumped on? Yeah. Look at that nice backdrop. <laughs> so yeah. talk a little bit about your family. Um, I And I also brought Justin on for a dual reason. We are doing a huge apartment fund. And, uh, you know, a lot of my training with my kids, especially Logan, uh, because I was a real estate millionaire in the Midwest markets, I mean, I would bring him out and Diapers, learning to walk, we, you know, be in the swim pools, we'd be rehabbing apartments just like Justin's doing right now in Topeka. So talk about your you know, beginning, though, and how your family and really you, because of a lack of planning for our partner, got hit hard. Yeah, so uh, obviously, yes, we, uh, not, not just him, but uh, myself, we had a major uh, lack of setup, lack of paperwork, lack of documentation. A lot of problems with with how we were set up and uh, or lack thereof set up. And uh, that's the big thing is is I wasn't educated. I I didn't have a community like this to lean on and and a lot of experts to show me all the different things and uh, ways to take advantage of different rules, strategies, laws, all, all of the above. So I was, I actually left a corporate job, good paying corporate job to go be a part owner of a, a floor restoration business. We, we polished hard surface floors and, and scotch guarded them basically. And uh, everything was going great. He lived up to his end of the bargain. I was doing mine, I was making what I was supposed to make. I was getting the bonuses I was supposed to get and, and life was grand until uh, one evening he actually passed away of a heart attack. He was a, a little bit older, but still a lot of life ahead of him. Heart attack got him. And uh, because we didn't have things documented properly and there was no plan of succession, um, the state of Missouri ended up owning our business because he lived in Missouri. He was uh, he was with the same lady for 40 years. And uh, she actually got the even shorter end of the stick because, you know, they had built this multi-million dollar estate and, and she received none of it. The state of Missouri did not recognize common law marriage, and um, she got left kind of out in the cold. The, the family thankfully left her the house because they knew they built it together. But the, the rest of the millions of dollars, you know, the state got their part first, and then the family got what was left. And the people he built it for and, and worked with and partnered with, you know, we were just kind of left out in the dust because, you know, he didn't have a, a community like this. He didn't have an expert in his life. You know, the, the local CPAs, the local attorneys, those people, you know, yeah, they take care of you supposedly. But there's so much, you know, when we're talking small town southwest Missouri, there, there's so much more out there than than 
some people's experts, you know, my old team, his old team, all, all of the uh, things out there in the world, they're, they're maybe not the best out there. Maybe, maybe there's someone better. Maybe there's a better fit. Maybe there's someone with more knowledge to help you in, in ways with what you're trying to accomplish, to understand your situation and not give you a cookie cutter service like, like a lot of these professionals do in different areas. So, you know, with, without this community, I wouldn't have been able to save my businesses and, and continue a, a real estate enterprise, if, if we'll call it that now, um, that, that I wanted to create. And we had started, but, uh, you know, it was all put on hold until we, we figured out what to do. And uh, in joining this community, I was able to, to save that business as well as, you know, create the, the thriving real estate business and, you know, set everything up correctly now, not put my loved ones in the same position that that me and, and his significant other were left with. So it's 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 been a, a fun, fast ride, learned a lot created more things than than I could ever have imagined that I was going to do, but it all makes sense. And so I went from being, you know, a business owner to owner of businesses that that all work in, in conjunction with each other and all play well together and, and all are set up properly to where I, you know, get to take advantage of, of the ways that they work together. Yeah, and I want to make a, a broader context then. So a lot of you say, well, how does this work with others? I mean, if you're not having a basic conversation, like John and Eileen, right? Employee in versus entrepreneurial mindset in the family. And then someone passes and you haven't had this legacy conversation, uh, a Justin situation happens to you. All partners are affected, all family members. So whether you want to talk about it or not, at the end of someone's life, you have to, or just walk away. And, you know, if you don't get anything in the will or trust, you know, that's what can happen. But what we see is that because the, a lot of this doesn't happen, nobody wants to talk about it. I call it the little surprise basket is left at the end and the will's read and everybody goes into a fight. And I mean, they might as well have not talked about it because uh, I don't know how many people join us when they end up at the other side of a will or a trust or an unplanned uh, estate. And it's a mess. The other thing I want to speak to is the congruency of the community and the integration of having things aligned and together, like Justin said, not having like even inside your family. Well, I'll just speak about Jason and I, right? So Jason's Canadian, very different set of team. His father's an accountant, right? So his father has done most of his accounting for most of his career. He was employed. Um, so becoming an entrepreneur was kind of a marriage requirement with me. So um but then it got different, right? And so like from where he does insurance and accounting and all the financial work in Canada with the US and what he does for his kids. So our answer to this was, we'll talk about it for us, but what he does with his kids and exes and what I do with my kids, they're all Langmeyers now, um, is just how we do it. So I do it my way, he does it his way, and then we have our way that's in the middle. But it's an agreement. You have to have these conversations because if you don't, God knows what's going to happen. And, you know, as we're having this conversation, I'm making a list of the people who haven't joined our community that need to hear this broadcast because they're not joining because their significance won't talk about it. And some of them have significant stuff they're going to leave in a disaster to other kids. So, Eileen, let's circle back around um, and let's just start a conversation. I know there's a lot of uh, conversations out in uh you know, out in the chat, but what had, uh, what did Justin say to John? Maybe Justin, you remember that conversation to finally have that transition happen and then maybe give some language to the conversation. I know Kyle, you give some great language to, you know, how you talk to your kids about different things. And, you know, a lot of how I talked to mine was modeling. I just took them around the world with me and they showed up in offices. They kind of, they got how the, the business world worked 
because they were just immersed in it uh, in our lifestyle. But how how did you and what did John talk to Justin about? And then what were some of the conversations that led from there? So when we um, my my journey with this community started March of 2018, and um, the poor guy came home from work, and I said we have a call at 6:30 with the coach from Laura Langmeyer's office, and he's like, "What? <laughs> Who is this person?" I have all five of your books, so I brought them down. I'm like, I've been following her since 2012. This is the person that's going to help us. This is the community that's going to help us get our business going in the right direction. And he's like, okay. <laughs> he trusted me enough to get on the call. We signed up for Big Table that night. No questions asked. And then two or three days later, he was like, what the hell did I just do? Because of the, it's the money thing. I just put all this money out because it was his money at the time. What did I just do? So... We were in the community for a while, and then we um, were able to get Justin to have conversations with him because I was trying to figure out who in this community could John talk to that could help him understand why I'm doing what I'm doing, why I want this for our family, what my bigger dream is. And we we just developed a very good relationship with Justin. We got to meet him in person, and John gravitated towards him. So they were comfortable. and. The two of them got on a phone call together and Justin was pretty much talking to him about the couple being together as a couple supporting each other and why it is that I'm doing what I'm doing because Justin and I had spoken about that. And Justin, you were very instrumental in helping John see what the possibilities were, what the community was all about. And, you know, he I don't know if you remember that conversation because it was like two years ago. But if it wasn't for Justin and John getting together and John being open to have the conversation because he loves me. So, of course, he did that. And that that's a very key, integral part of any relationship. You, you got to care about each other and the path that you're going to travel down in life together because I am divorced and I don't ever want that to happen again. So, uh, Justin, do you want to speak to any of that? I'm not even sure if you remember the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do remember our first call and uh, I know you kind of prefaced it and, and kind of gave me some insight into John and John's way of thinking and John's kind of background. And so we thought we might have trouble getting through to him. And, and from day one, John was was very receptive. He asked very intelligent questions. And I do remember we were focusing on on your stuff, what you wanted to do, how, how we could grow that, how we could think outside the box. And I think just us having that conversation and him opening up his mind a little bit, you know, I didn't say anything magic to John, John's attitude and, and his way of thinking, like you said, the trying to get into this for you because he loved you was, was the reason he was able to see, you know, the, the way we work together within this community, you know, and, and I, I'm pretty positive that in, in our first coaching call, we determined that we probably weren't going to be the right fit for, for a coaching and, and, and mentoring student because you needed more help on, on the business development side versus real estate side and different things. And then we needed to work on getting you on stages to talk to people and different things. And, you know, that's not my area of expertise. And that's what's the beautiful part about this community is, you know, we all know each other. We all work together. We know what, who's good at what within the community. And we get to, to direct traffic more than anything. And, and I think that was yeah. one of the neat, neatest things that John saw. And now, obviously, we have a great relationship and me and John talk a lot and, uh, you know, nothing but great things to say about everybody. But, uh, yeah, I, I do recall that. And it's, it's just, you know, it's the way this community works. And what's even more beautiful about that, eight months into being a member of the big table, 
we were at another event, John and I were there together. And one of Laurel's coaches at the time came over and said, we would like to talk to you about joining the head of the table. I didn't say a word. John immediately said yes. (laughs) So talk about a transformation in less than eight months, because it was a lot less than eight months. But of course, I want to do that. Of course, I'm excited. And I want to be able to coach with Laurel personally, you know, and John just automatically said, yes, sign the papers, put the money in, no problem. And it's been growing ever since. So I'm very grateful for everyone in this community. <laughs> You'll be into seven figures this year, won't you? Is that your... Uh, we're looking at next year, 2021. Yeah, 2021. yeah, good. So let's talk about some of the conversations and Eileen, uh, Justin, I'll add in. So let's just kind of lead out. So what do you need to talk about? Clearly... My relationship to money is if I want to go buy something, I'll just make more money, right? Whether that includes a plane, which is you know, years ago, um, you know, came back to the company and said, we need to make an extra forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 because I just bought a plane and the company's going to pay for it. So this is how I roll. I do do a little more analysis than you think, Kyle, but I say yes a lot, knowing and trusting that I know how to make some cash. So I think of the obvious categories, I'm going to call them the obvious five. How are we making money as a family? I think you've got to talk about income. And please, if you have kids, I don't care what age they are, but just so you know, from a brain development, when you say you can't afford it or don't ask for anything, all the kids hear is they're not worth it and they don't deserve it. That is how they process that. So when you say we can't afford it and uh, don't ask for it, it strikes their worth, their self-worth, their deservability at a psychological level that a lot of times is irreparable. So stop those conversations, uh, make it positive and forward thinking is what can we do? How does mom make money? How does dad make money? How can you make money? I think, Kyle, you have uh, some great stories with Bryce on, you know, how he went out and just, you know, got his friends working for him. So income is a big part of the conversation. Expenses, right? How you pay for things is another part of the conversation. And I'm rigorous about pay yourself first because you can always negotiate paying other people later. And it might cost you a little bit of interest. And that's just a trade off in uh, whether it makes sense to do that or not. Right. That's not an always. That's a it's what you look at. I'm a huge fan of getting kids up into their credit and credit repair early. Eileen's helping with someone right now who's 23, didn't even know anything about it and just getting introduced. And it's a little late, um, but we'll do some catch up. The other conversations would be then cash flow. So talk about income, what that is, talk about expenses and cash flow. Do not call it disposable income because that's what you'll do. That's how I grew up is whatever was left over. You know, that was stuff that, you know, we would go spend without any purpose. And even if you want to go spend it, have some purpose to it which is just go have fun, call it something, not disposable. And then assets and liabilities, right? What do we all own and what do we all owe? So those are kind of the five, just basic and just even in conversation about how it all happens, right? You own the house, it's an asset. There's, if you have a mortgage, there's a liability associated to it. You have monthly expenses. What I love about real estate and uh, probably why I like the cash flow game so much and why I loved having you manually have to move around um, is every real estate transaction affects all five of those financial categories. It affects your assets, your liability. You have to move it around in your QuickBooks file. You've got a book to assets. You got a book to liabilities. You got a book to expenses. You got a book to income. You got a book to cash flow. So, um, anything you guys want to add and kind of take from there? How do you talk about this? Because I'm sure some people are going, "What the hell are you guys talking about?" I don't even know how you even open up a conversation. So there's some categories. Obviously, that beautiful game behind Justin, you can uh, talk, you know, do the millionaire maker, go get Kyle in my book, 
but I'll let you three all add. Eileen, okay, the languaging itself is so important. The words have energy. And the more positive words you put out there, the more positive you are going to attract back in. So we're not allowed to say those phrases in our home. We can afford anything we want. You know, how do you go about getting it? You know, the whole conversation is totally different than it was two and a half years ago. You know, and I still get to spend, but now it's on investments. <laughs> so I'm still a spender, but now it's being spent in the right areas. So having that whole conversation in the beginning, what, what your goals are and being very respectful to each other about it and having a common goal makes all the difference in the world and how you're going to move forward. You know, we only have one life. Make it the best life possible. That's just my take on that. Yep. We only get one dance through this little rodeo. Um, so, someone connecting inside the chat. So pay attention out there. Justin, were you going to jump in or Kyle? Yeah. So the, you know, like, like Eileen says, you know, you, you'll learn things, uh, that, that you just don't say, you don't think the same way, you don't associate with a lot of the same people. Well, when, once you become a part of this community, whether you've joined or you, you're not super active yet, you know, one, one of the best ways to, to learn a lot of these things and have the right conversations is just being part of calls like this, being part of the laser calls being getting out on the field trips, going to the three day events. When if, you know, COVID finally goes away and, and we get to get back on the road, you know, being an active community member, whether it's through the Facebook page for now or whatever the case may be, you know, you're, you're not going to learn the best practices or, or good habits to have with, with just joining and, and, you know, saying I'm a member of the big table. If you're not having these conversations and connecting with people like Kyle and Eileen and Laurel and, you know, everybody else, then, then you're not going to understand these conversations, even if you're a part of them. So the, the more you get out there, the more you're, you're associated with, with people and the members and the experts, the, the more you're going to, you know, be able to implement this and these conversations and this way of thinking into your lifestyle but you know on top of that you know if you come to learn and you're trying to build something not just the investment side but the business side you know you, you like eileen says we don't think of anything as far as you know we can't afford it anymore you know i don't know how many of you out there on this call right now you know can actually say right now if you had to go make a hundred thousand dollars before the end of the year or within six months how, how many people could actually do that and by being a part of this community and, and learning outside the, the box ways of thinking, that's all I do now is, is it's not, you know, I, I want this thing and it only costs $1,200. Should I buy it? It's, you know, I want, I want this thing and it costs a million dollars. How, how can I go get it? And, uh, those are the type of things that, that you'll learn and, and uh, be a part of, not just, you know, learn how to do or watch somebody else do. You get the opportunity to be a part of things like this. And, and that's the most exciting thing. Like Eileen said, you know, uh, you know, and, and obviously, you know, Laurel, when she goes shopping, she goes shopping for businesses and Eileen spending her money on investments. And, you know, that, that's the type of thing that gets exciting now, not, not the new shoes or the new outfit or the new car or whatever the case may be. You know, that these type of things are the things you type, talk about and get excited about. The new shoes is just, you know, it's just something you did because you could now. Yep. And Kyle, what conversations? I mean, you and Tracy, again, married early. You know, you, you had that culture, that academic. So talk about like how, if you were out there listening, which you can see the people in the chat, how would you encourage them to begin and how to think about that? Well, it's, it's interesting. You know, I have a, a, a degree or a master's degree in psychology, but I'm the opposite of a touchy feely guy. So, I mean, Justin and I are kind of similar in that way, <laughs> but 
Don't hug me, I'll hug you. <laughs> and there's a background. And so I'm going to bring it back to understanding their money psychology. Yeah. And so one of the things that's important is, you know, with Tracy and I, we had to understand wh- where our money psychology came from. By the time that you become an adult, you essentially built that money psychology into your psyche, if you will. When you're a child, it's, it's still malleable, which is why it's so important that you do work with your children to, to develop a good money psychology. But there's there's three categories that I basically look at. The first one is their willingness to delay gratification. And this is kind of the saver aspect. Are they a spender or are they a saver? So I look for ways when I when I am teaching couples and I try to always teach the couple whenever I have students, I'm not just an individual because it's so important that they do understand each other's money psychology so they can avoid arguments. so They can understand where the other person is coming from. So the first one is willingness to delay gratification. And figuring out, are they a spender or are they a saver? And I, I end up num- giving them a number from one to nine. So, yeah. for example, from a saving perspective, from a willingness to delay gratification, I'm a nine. I just don't spend anything unless I just really need it. Other people are a one. You know, I don't, Laurel, you're not a one necessarily, but you're definitely not a nine. Right. So yeah. understanding that about you is important, even for us as friends, for me to, to understand the perspective that you're coming from. Risk tolerance is the second factor that I like to look at it as far as money psychology. So when it comes to investing or even buying things, different people have different risk tolerance. So and that comes from their background, from the familial situation, etc. So for one spouse, buying into big table might be an incredibly daunting and risky proposition, whereas for the other one, it might not be that big of a deal. So figuring out where your spouse falls on the on the risk tolerance scale. And then the final scale is the decisiveness, which we talk a lot about in the community. We kind of almost caricature my decisiveness versus your decisiveness, Laurel. But uh, the reality is it is important to know, is a person a thinker? Are they very logical? Are they very methodical? Um, or do they act more based on emotion? Yeah. And so understanding that aspect of a person's money psychology is important as well, because, for example, You know, you might get frustrated that I'm not ready to jump into an investment before seeing all the facts. But if you understand that that's where I come from, that that's the way that I am, then you may be a little bit more willing to understand. All right. If I want Kyle to get to join me in this investment, then I'm going to have to show him the facts. I'm going to have to show him the numbers. I'm going to have to give him a little bit of time to sit back and, you know, digest all of this and figure out whether it actually makes sense and figure out. For me, I'm a big ROI guy, right? My return on investment. So I've got to calculate those returns on investment. Um, I, I can't just feel those things. Um, whereas for you, if I'm trying to convince you to join an investment or persuade you to do something, then going over the number by number by number is, is not going to be the way to do it. I need to explain to you the vision of what this can become. And it's more of a feeling thing. So those are the three big factors that I like to teach my students to to understand about their spouse. And, you know, we have different ways that you can um, arrive at those numbers, but yeah. most of you could probably get a sense for that. And that's incredibly important to, to know that foundation of where they're coming from so that you can know how to go where you need to get. Yeah. Um, some of you are asking questions about like specific things. And I think, you know, Jason, you're, I uh, appreciate you being out there. It's you got to jump in the sandbox. Like when you really understand the integration, you understand Everything you do in your life touches money. Every decision from buying your car to buying your house to whether you want to trade in the market. Let's go very personal right now. Uh, whether you want your kids to be homeschooled 
online schooling. Um, and Kyle, I know you and I have a hell of an opinion about this, but a lot of these big schools, especially the Ivies, have just shut down. And the lawsuits that are flying to keep your kids, and I'm just going to use Harvard because I know I personally know two families that are suing Harvard because they want their damn money back. Their kids are at home. And the purpose of that kind of an Ivy League, and I, I, I believe me, I got the same issue with my son uh, going from a big university private school to a state school. If they're not meeting anybody, and they're just getting an education, does the tuition stand? I mean, believe me, that is a money conversation in our family. But a lot of you, you got to make those decisions. I mean, are you going to, well, how are you going to do all of this? You know, there's different states that have different openness, you know, you're going to start paying for your kid's school. You're going to let them, you know, cobble through this, you know, the, the public. Some publics are doing it great. Some publics suck. So I just think there's a lot of things you guys need a place to talk about. I mean, that's a huge financial decision for a lot of you guys. Um, Kyle and I both, you know, we've talked about our kids getting, you know, vehicles for college to how do we get our kids through college from a business expense instead of a cost. There's so many, everything that you do, you're going to make a decision around money. So either stay out there and be unconscious, or I think just as unconscious, some of you, you're standing on the outside of us trying to, you know, put together the little crumbs that you hear from each of us without really a mentor and a master plan. So you come here first and we help get that together and then the collaboration begins. So some of you are like, you know, we're going to collaborate first and we're going to get you financially organized first. Otherwise, your mess gets on our mess. What else would you guys want to talk about? Uh, Go ahead, Kyle. I was just going to say that, you know, I was trying to think of the different types of spouses that may or may not be willing to jump in and and to join the, the conversation. And one of those spouses is sort of an adversarial spouse where they are, are very frustrated and they're angry and they're, they're mad and they don't want you to do it. And I think what when you think about what, what creates that anger, a lot of times it comes from a place of insecurity, as anger often does. And so, so they're they're intimidated and they yeah. don't understand the conversation. And when a person's intimidated and they don't understand the conversation and they're scared, some people's natural reaction is to kind of lash out. And so how do we fix that then? Right. So a lot of people don't have these conversations about money. They hear some of these phrases and these terms that we throw out there. They don't know what it means. That's daunting to them and it's intimidating and it it makes them mad and frustrated. So the the way that you fix that is kind of like what Justin was saying is you got to join and you got to, you know, you read the books, you, you show up, you listen to the conversations. Maybe you don't have to contribute there at the beginning, but Having your spouse join into these types of calls and these conversations is going to get them exposed to those ideas. And, you know, we learn oftentimes through repetition. So the more times that they hear these terms, the more they begin to pick things up. And so I know for my family that they've said that, you know, that the first three big tables they went to, they didn't maybe really get the whole conversation regarding um, entities and trusts and some of the higher level concepts that that Scott and Weldon talk about. But as they were exposed to that over and over and over, they'd lost their intimidation about it. They began to understand it. And when they're no longer intimidated, they're no longer scared and from that fearful place that's adversarial. So I think that's yep. one way to overcome some of that. 
Yeah, you know, the other side of it, I'm glad you brought that up, but I'm glad that it came out of your mouth being a man, because I think a lot of men need to hear that. Um, I'm sitting, I actually made a list, so I'm going to go back to my team that need to hear this call. And the man was like a John, they're employed, and their wife is an entrepreneur, or it's the other way around. And I do think there's an intimidation, and they don't know where to start. So there's kind of an embarrassment about it. And I would just say you got to start. We are the most non judgmental group of people. We have seen it all. My God, have we seen it all. Um, mainly because we've been at this for so many years. I mean, this is uh, 1996 is when I started with Robert and Sharon. I mean, so to, to like 2021 is my 25th year of doing this. It's a long time. But the other side that I do want to point out, which is a really odd psychology, but it happens, is let's just say, I'm going to use John and Eileen, that because you have spent a lot of money on figuring this shit out, right? Like yeah. you said, over $200,000. <laughs> so what also happens, and you have to look at yourself. So there's also a, a situation where one side of the family becomes what I'm going to call a seminar junkie, a learning junkie, but really doesn't integrate it. They really don't change their life and change their behavior. So the other spouse, to their credit, is just sick of it. They're sick of you spending the family's money because you won't change. Like if you're changing and getting the results, I can promise you if that would happen, John wouldn't have said yes eight months later to head of the table. He knew you were hungry. You were studying. You were doing what I said. You and I would go head to head but you've changed. You've shifted enormously. So I also want to point to that spouse who you are just the spender. You're the one just spending, spending, spending. I'm going to say wasting family money because you won't change. And a lot of the reasons we built our three days to cash program from the past and now the marketplace is the fastest way that we know how to help you is get some money in your pocket. Because now we have outperformed any other place you've tried to spend money. So you can go back to that spouse and say, look, I actually have a result. I have money in the bank account. First time after $200,000. So we also know that we built in a lot of structures to help you get successful fast. And even if it's only $20, $200, it's money you've never made before. So I think there's a lot of structures that, you know, like Justin said, if we ever get back out of here, when we get eye to eye with you, we can force you to make money. And then you go back to that spouse and say, look, I actually can do it. Now I need support to continue, uh, you know, getting, getting the help that I need. So you actually do make that change. So I think some of you also got to look at yourself and are you fully in the conversation? Boy, we're like jamming on an hour. I can't believe it's like gone this far. So um, I said something to, I think, Sylvia, debt is a cost of money, but you are correct. We are taught that debt is is fear-based and that you shouldn't have debt and that, that having credit card debt's bad and having debt's bad. I would say that I know a lot of millionaires. Um, well, let's just say Justin. Let's just say, and again, this is a, a large, large enterprise. How much debt you know, is in our, because I'm a partner of Justin's, how much debt do you think we carry? How many millions of dollars? Just to kind of freak people out on the, oh my gosh, I can't be in debt. After we close on the new apartment complex, over 10 million. Yep. Yep. And you guys are worried about 10,000, 20,000. And I'm not talking about little kinds of debt. I'm talking about using good leverage. Right now, the cost of money for your mortgages, I don't know. I know everybody. I know the Cresses, Alex was on here earlier, are, you know, refining most of their their rentals. My brother has, you know, 20-something rentals refining. It's a great time because the cost of money for those mortgages is really, really cheap. So again, a lot of our conversation is going to straighten out that debt conversation in your mind. And later, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been debt-free personally for like long, long time. All right. So, but I'm talking about businesses. Um, John, if you met John on Zafter Hours, I mean, he went out and borrowed, got into debt for $500,000 at 10%. Didn't put any money in. Some of you, oh my gosh, you went into debt. 
to buy 49% of a Ford dealership was worth the deal. So we want to start shifting your conversations and your understanding and your depth of it as a family. And even talk about things. I know, Stephen, you put out there, you know, should I have a prenuptial? That's up to you, Mary Beth. I am a huge fan. I did mine. I've been married twice, got big prenuptials. It's our joke is uh, one. Uh, Jason said, OK, I've already looked at a foot of paper. And I said, well, you're just going to either trust. I, You know, I got my stuff with my kids. You got your stuff. And then down the middle, we uh, create like that's what we're creating in Boise together. Right. That's a huge thing for us in our marriage that we're creating together. But. Those of you, you know, there's, I'm, I'm on a summit coming up soon for powerful women. And a lot of men say they want to be with powerful women. And I, my first reaction is uh, you got to learn to handle us because we're not going to stand down and we're not going to stand aside and we're not going to stand back. I think you stand hand in hand, you figure it out. So I think that's just a bigger coaching conversation, how you guys want it to be. The thing I would just say, if you are bringing kids into a blended marriage, I would just protect whatever you have. Um, there's too many stories I could tell you financially that have just tangled up blended families. So if you all just came in differently and then you you know, call it his, hers, or individually and then together, that seems to be after all of the couples that I have coached, including just my own, it's, uh, seems to be the cleanest way. So whatever you brought to it, you take back out. And those kids who are used to that life get that. The kids that aren't used to that life get that. And then down the middle, you create another one. So again, you don't have to do it my way. You don't have to do it Justin's way. You don't have to do it, you know, Kyle's way. You don't have to do Eileen's way. I just wanted to showcase different ways that it can get done and just the importance that it has to get done or you're just going to live blindly. Anything else you guys want to add to our conversation? The only thing I want to add on to that, and we've already talked about it, but it all starts with the conversation. You you have to be respectful of each other and sit down and just start the conversation because money is the biggest subject. That is the biggest problem in any relationship. And we know what the other two are behind that. But money is changing. The world and the economy is changing. You need to really understand what's happening with the money system. I'm, I'm reading all these books that Laurel recommends to me, and I get so upset when I read these books. It's like, how could they be doing this to the American public? Uh, you know, uh, I, you know, when I read, first read, and I'm still reading it because it's such a thick book, The Creature of Jekyll Island, I was mad the first couple of chapters. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe they're doing this to us. So you really need to understand the conversation and, and have a conversation about money to know what's really going on in the world, what's going on around you. Because just like credit, it follows you the rest of your life. You need it for everything. Absolutely. Anything you want to end with, Kyle? Well, just kind of what I discussed, you know, understand your partner's psychology, understand your family's psychology, and then um, integrate these money-related concepts into your everyday life. In my family growing up, it was... It was all about, we, t- we talked about savings, but no one ever talked about how much money they had or investments or any of that kind of thing. And a lot of my family is really not as educated as they could be regarding investments as a result of that. They're great at saving money, but they're not as good as they could be. So I made a conscious decision to integrate those things into conversations with my children, with my wife. You know, now I try to have those conversations with my friends and family to bring them up to speed so that they can understand that money is not something to be afraid of. Money is something that we need to discuss. It's something that's a big part of our lives. So let's treat it that way. Absolutely. So uh, thanks, Eileen. Thanks, Kyle. Um, Justin, talk a little bit about what's going on. Uh, I'm going to switch gears a little bit because you have grown, like you said, an enormous enterprise, uh, a huge operation. You know, you've got a son, right? That's uh, just, I mean, right? 
you're, I'm sure he's very aware of what you're doing, but talk about the project and uh, what you're doing down there in Topeka, because uh, it's going to be a market we're going to be in together for a while. And those of you that really want to learn, you missed an amazing tour in Kansas. And uh, we will be putting up the videos and some of that so we can catch you up. But talk about what you're doing down there, over there. So so obviously, you know, in, in, in starting this, this real estate venture, we started out like everybody that just wanted to flip a bunch of houses. And then we quickly realized this, this wasn't the, the model we wanted to follow. So we started building a rental portfolio and uh, it was great. You know, we got a bunch of good houses that are, that are very cash flow friendly and, and that was great, but it just, it, it was so much work to, to get them up and online and, and running and, you know, spread out all over the place. And, you know, it, it was going to be a slow process because each, each house might cash flow a couple hundred dollars a month. And, you know, you get, you know, 10, 20, 30 of them, then you're talking decent money, but, uh, you know, we're covering debt service. So by the time you're taking everything home, it's like, okay, let's, let's do something that's going to build it faster. So we, we started looking into some multifamily opportunities. We tested the water a little over a year and a half ago with a uh, 49 unit complex and uh, had, had a lot of success flipping it. Well, not necessarily flipping. We rehabbed an apartment complex and, you know, increased the value from when we purchased it, uh, 900,000 to its current appraisal value is 2.5 million. So obviously it was an extensive rehab. We had a little bit over 600,000 into it, but you know, we were able to, to create a million dollars in equity in just under or just over a year. And so we were like, okay, that's what we're talking about. That's the stuff we want to do and, and do multiple projects like these. And, you know, when I first uh, joined the community, like Laurel said, you know, my, my mind shifted or my mindset has shifted tremendously since I first joined, you know, I was all about, you know, raising debt and, and putting, you know, investors in debt positions and uh, uh, paying them off and then, you know, realizing that gain ourselves and then being ahead of the table and, and working with Laurel closely and, and understanding the different reasons and, and methods and theories and uh, strategies for partnering with people. Uh, we, we decided to do a fund. Um, we did a fund two years ago in the Ozarks with some vacation rentals and it started to make sense. You know, in, investors, community members take so much more pride in being part of something like you hear, you know, Eileen talk about, you know, being an investor in cannabis or the black hole or, or these different things. When you're actually an investor in a project and, and an owner of a business or an LLC or a property, you take so much more pride in it than just a piece of paper that pays you you know, a, a set interest rate per year. And so we actually have done that here in Topeka, the same market that we created that million dollars in equity in a property. Uh, we, we created a fund that, that's allowing our investors to, you know, partner with us and, and be part owner of these complexes, these value add properties that we find here in the Midwest and are able to create, you know, a significant turnaround of value by just changing a few things. And, and you know, on top of that, a lot of big markets, it's really hard to do that because the markets are so competitive and the cap rates are so low. But here where we're at, we're able to buy properties over a 10 cap still and then, you know, turn it around on the, on the backside and the value is based off of, you know, a, a seven to an eight cap. And, and I know that's probably foreign to a lot of people. And that's, again, why you need to participate in a lot of these calls and field trips and stuff. So you understand that sort of lingo. But, you know, that's that's what we've done. We've created an opportunity to allow the community members uh, to, to take part in, in these projects with us. You know, just just like the cannabis, just like, you know, the Idaho projects, just like uh, all the different, you know, opportunities that you find through the big table community. Instead of a, a debt holder, you, you're able to be an equity holder with us now. Yeah. 
So uh, again, those of you that are uh, continuing to be interested in our conversation every Tuesday at 12 noon, go to asklaurel.com. Also join our Millionaires in Training group, and we're going to continue our Money Life conversation. Um, our team, Addie, Terry, the team will be continuing to post uh, new social posts and new topics as we go through the week. But those of you that are in the community already and the big table, um, we have a laser call at four o'clock today for those in the big table. And Thursday night at 7.15 is Zafter Hours. So another call as we uh, bring in another marketplace this Thursday and Friday with a whole new group of people. Um, I was on a massive broadcast. Uh, Grant Cardone was on. I was on. There was a variety of us on. And uh, it was fun. I think it was a big part of it. We did a makeover. I think Lavonda's out there. She won the makeover. It was fun. We did a $10 offer in 10 minutes. Over 250 people did it. And uh, it was fun. It was awesome. And uh, so, Lavonda, we'll see you on Thursday. We get started. Um, and uh, make sure you check back in with Eileen and the makeover team. So uh, we jam and you make a whole bunch of money as we go into the marketplace. So thanks you all for being here. And uh, we will be uh, cutting this whole first part into a podcast. So if you haven't joined my podcast before, go to uh, laurelsrealmoneytalks.com. It's on Stitcher. It's on iTunes. And uh, follow every week. Thanks, you guys. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening to the Real Money Talks podcast. Your host has been Laurel Langmire, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View. Want to learn more about off-Wall Street investing, tax strategies, and multi-million dollar business strategies? Visit liveoutloud.com slash podcast for past episodes, show notes, and resources. For some special wealth building gifts only for Laurel's podcast listeners, visit liveoutloud.com slash podcast gifts. Do you have a burning question for Laurel? Visit asklaurel.com to submit your question, and it may just be covered on a podcast episode. So stay tuned and be sure to subscribe to get new episodes every week. Every week.